You're listening to the Legacy Investor Podcast. Podcast, where we focus on real estate, business, and mindset. Our guests will share their experiences, lessons learned, and actionable advice to help you get to the next level. Now for today's show. The father, the creator restaurant entrepreneur ed brady thanks for joining us today thanks for having me man yeah, i man. appreciate the invite looking forward to the conversation my pleasure it's um when i was prepping for this it took some time because your space is totally outside of you know what i'm familiar with i own a property management company i just recently went on my went out on my own congratulations thank you yeah it's exciting isn't it it's very exciting yeah and a little scary definitely <laughs> scary right um but i think there's a lot of folks that I leverage and, and lean on and yep, of course. so many resources out there. So it's all good. And, and this podcast is one of the first things that I wanted to launch and connect with folks like yourself and bring um, your approach to business to, you know, maybe folks like myself and other folks in the Rhode Island market that may be interested in the hospitality space or starting their own business. So who better to have uh, some of, someone like yourself who has multiple businesses um, is it 10, uh, establishments for, I think it's around the there. Yeah. We, I, I lose track myself, you know, we're, we're ever evolving, ever, ever, uh, changing, but yeah, it's around there 10 to 15 in, in our portfolio of digging, uh, got the Darcy Beaver we have, we're, we're building our fifth location. Uh, we're, we're rebranding a location on main street in, in East Greenwich. We have the park theater, which has multiple venues, a comedy park in there, uh, a supper club, the actual theater. Uh, we have a place down down south called the uh, Bravo by the Sea, and uh, a place called Aiden's Pub. Yes. So uh, ever evolving, yeah, the, and and some more uh, in the works. Uh, in addition to everything I just said, so we look for opportunity. We're not afraid to pivot. We're not afraid to change. Obviously, with the economic climate, and hope to provide a great quality pro uh, product of good food and, and and good hospitality. I mean, really, that's the the formula. Now the so Cranston Zone. Let's back it up a little bit. Sure. I mean. At what age were you starting to eye the hospitality industry or restaurant space and saying, look, this is for me? Just, you know, bring us back to maybe right after high school and, yeah, and where it went from there. Great question. Uh, my first job was caddying at a country club. I was 12 years old. I had to lie. Uh, you're supposed to be 13. So I said <laughs> I was 13. Um, learned a lot, even just from the members there asking questions. But ironically enough, met my first uh, partner, Jeff Quinlan, who was also a caddy there at that age, sure. maintained that relationship kind of the rest of our life. Entrepreneurship was, I, I think, kind of always always in my blood. I was getting to ask a lot of those questions on that golf course, not afraid, that vulnerable young kid of, how'd you do it? How'd you do it? How'd you do it? And uh, you know, I kind of took that with me the rest of my life. If you're not afraid to ask the question and you know you don't know it all, then uh, keep asking, right? We have something to learn every single day. But when I when I graduated uh, college, I, my, my first restaurant job was at uh, Twin Oaks and Marchetti's, some some legendary Cranston <laughs> spots. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Learned a lot in that space, and and I love the aspect of, you know, we all you don't realize it as much when you're younger, but as we get older, we all have so much going on and so much going on in our heads, so many trials, tribulations, struggles, and the good thing about a restaurant, especially pre-COVID, right, was. People got away from whatever was in their mind. They'd go out, they'd celebrate an anniversary, they'd celebrate a rehearsal dinner, a wedding, um, a special occasion, a retirement. And the energy of making others feel good in those special times or the special moments of time always resonated with me. And when I graduated uh, Bryant, uh, I studied film and television, 
moved out to LA, learned a lot about the nightlife space, was working on red carpets, meeting celebrities, uh, and uh, my mom got sick. So I decided to move home, and, and fortunately, she's still with us here today. And as long as she was here, I said I would make that promise to make Rhode Island my Hollywood. And uh, I, I started, when I came home, I started a copy sales job that I absolutely hated and uh, kind of just started the, the foundation of what I knew would be my first entertainment company, 401, which, you know, originally just started taking pictures at all these spots, building some traffic. And then eventually I was running a whole bunch of spots, flying a bunch of these celebrities in uh, to do appearances here in Rhode Island, uh, made a name for myself, and then eventually had seven nights a week going, which led to Jeff approaching me and saying, you want to open up your own spot? And uh, here we are about a decade later mm. uh, with various uh, establishments throughout New England. When you were working at that restaurant, say Twin Oaks, I mean, yeah. what was it about, like you said, you enjoyed the folks coming in, making them feel good. I mean, at what point when you were working there, did you say like, I could do this? Like no question, I could make my own restaurant. I, I wouldn't say it would, definitely wasn't quite that early in the process. I think you got to build confidence, keep building confidence, keep hitting your singles, your doubles, right? And uh, getting more and more success. And when I was promoting and then all of a sudden, you know, we had multiple hot nights throughout all of New England. And, uh, you know, that was not just for me, that was obviously collaborating with a lot of great partners, a lot of great people with followings in different areas. We took it as a business. And I think that what I learned in Bryant definitely helped, uh, obviously the future strategy of growth and scalability. Um, getting the local valets, going to all the restaurants, having those reduced admission passes, kind of having the whole capital city promoting for our spots ultimately led to the point where I felt confident enough to take a chance. And mm. fortunately, I was blessed to have someone see talent in me and uh, want to invest, right? Want to invest in that first project. And that's scary in itself. Got to give it your all. If that first one didn't go well, who knows where my path would have led uh, thereafter. But fortunately enough, was able to uh, pay him back in, 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 in under a year. And it led to the next one and the next one. And then yeah. now, obviously, we're putting the money up together, which is scary in itself. But when, when it's your money on the line and you're all in, man, you've got to try to make it work and find solutions day in and day out. And yeah. we're feeling blessed because anywhere anywhere that's open in a post-recession, post-pandemic world in hospitality uh, is, is a good thing. We've, we've lost so many great restaurants here in Rhode Island, so many great restaurants throughout the country. And uh, you just got to keep finding solutions, keep uh, looking at your strategies, making sure you're staying up with the times, keeping costs in control, and uh, driving forward. That's kind of uh, where we're at. But yeah, those early days at Twin Oaks and Marchetti's and watching the strategy of the teams and what it takes to put out a quality product mm. and in a short period of time, right? People are, are spending their hard-earned dollars with you. And what we've tried to emulate, which has been very difficult from other jobs that I've said, it's usually this front of house, back of house scenario, right? But if you can continue to cultivate a culture of one team where the kitchen's getting along with the front of the house. And if it's busy and you're bringing back waters and you're supporting your team and the front of the house is the back of the house. And cause it really relies on everything. If they're not putting out a good, fast quality product, then you can't do your role in the front of the house. And uh, I think learning every single role within the kitchen and not being above it and learning every single role. And I'm not a great chef, but I, I can do the <laughs> drop the fries right now, uh, you know, doing everything within all of hospitality it eventually is what led me to have enough confidence to go after and do it on my own. And certainly year one, any project advice I give, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to leave money on the table. It's not going to go right, but you got to start somewhere and you can't be afraid to make that jump. Bringing in a partner. So I think businesses that start up with partners that can go two very different directions. Sure. I mean, I'm, 
Well, I'm sure there was hesitation at first, right, when Jeff approached you or, or vice versa, how that went. But is Jeff bringing experience maybe that you didn't have to backfill? Oh, for sure, for sure. Jeff, uh, you know, I don't even – often I'm the one that's that's uh, out in front of the public eye and they – you know they 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 see me as 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 the face of the businesses, but what he does behind the scenes is is integral to all of our scalability. I mean, him doing the numbers, his his background in legal, and he went to law school. In addition to his background in in, in flipping commercial properties and residential properties, um, and really just keeping cost lines in control while my creative can fly off the charts all over the place. Sometimes he even has to you know, pull that in. But I think finding someone that you can trust, obviously, is, tr is crucially important. And that has a lot of qualities that you don't have, right? Surrounding yourself with people that are really, really good at things that you're not. I know it sounds cliche, but it's it's reality. And in addition to that, um, you know, like anything else in life, you're going to have disagreements over the course of a partnership, being able to communicate vulnerably, being able to accept critique and feedback and kind of grow with, with your partnership group is really everything. I, I learned at a really early age, 100% of zero, zero, right? So don't be afraid, especially with scalability, to put people in place that you want to grow with. And uh, constantly through the process, we've included managing partners at, at different locations that have equity. And, and that's kind of been really what's allowed us to scale at this rapid mm. pace in this market. It's a good segue because I wanted to get into, just say, um, let's start at the first Thirsty Beaver location. And when you knew it was time to expand that, and was that the next jump or was it an acquisition? No, so we, we created uh, that concept uh, in this market. Uh, there were, um, Jeff's family had another brand called the Thirsty Beaver in another market, but it was a different logo, different concept. We really saw the ability to draw and sketch this concept of a log cabin and a family-friendly uh, experience where my grandparents feel accepted and we can have a two-year-old birthday there. And you wouldn't, and when we were first open and I, I specifically remember a woman coming in and uh, she she calls on the phone, she was going through a divorce and she's like, I can't believe my husband, my ex-husband's bringing, you know, a two-year-old there to celebrate the birthday. And then she walked in and she saw like 11 other kids and like, she's like, wow, this isn't what I pictured on the phone. So to flip her mindset and uh, be that all-encompassing, accepting, community-based bar, it's scary when you open up your own place, when you put dollars up and, yeah. and you don't know if people are going to come in. So to be celebrating 10 years, I had a really, really profound, reflective week last week because it was the 10-year it was the 10, it was yeah. the 10 year last week. Thank That's you funny. so much. And uh, it, 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 I really went through all the processes of mind of what it took to get here. And I think to answer your question, going back to it, uh, I think I would say uh, after about six months, we knew we had something where we saw consistent revenue, consistency, and, and, and people coming back in, really enjoying the concept, which led to uh, our second one. You know, we identified a good market, Smithfield. It's where I went to college, Bryant University. Average median income was good. Um, limited competitors in that particular uh, type of type of cuisine, type of concept. Mm -hmm. And uh, fortunately enough, that, that went really well, which led to uh, our third one which was inside of an entertainment co complex near Gillette Stadium. It's, it's got the largest go-kart track in the world and yeah. a huge arcade, huge Ninja Warrior bumper cars, really, really fun place. It's only about 35 minutes from the capital city. That's inside a supercharged, which then led to, uh, you know, Westerly. And, and we, we, we opened that uh, unexpectedly. That opportunity came up because of COVID. And, and some of the benefits that we can look at as a positive from COVID is, you know, opportunities did arise and cost of entry became lower on concepts that were already there. Now, 
We also know that the flip side, it's uh, taken us quite a while to open our North Kingston location because of rising cost of goods, because of how much it's cost to obviously get to the finish line on that project. But that's right around the corner, too. So there's, there's lessons in, in everything and scalability. And, and uh, you know, looking back, I, I really can't say we would have did anything differently because that's the only way you learn. Right. Fail forward. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Got to jump. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, even that North Kingstown location, are you... Is that a ground up build? Or it do you, is, yeah. Okay. It wasn't initially anticipated or supposed to be, but uh, yeah, you got to pivot and you got to roll with uh, what comes at you. And uh, that we're really excited. That North Kingston location, we opened our first location for about 160 grand. And then uh, this one's significantly higher. <laughs> and uh, But we want to be in the conversation after this for locations like uh, Tavern on the Square that, that you know, scaled, you know, at least through the Northeast or at least through New England. And yeah. We feel once we have hopefully five sustainable concepts and, and we can provide the same type of service, hospitality and food at a fifth location, then, then you know, it's maybe at that point time to expand and uh, not, not so much necessarily in Rhode Island. We don't want to oversaturate this market, but yeah. I, I think there's some great opportunities outside of here. You did ju- jump the border into Mass. We did. Big deal. Yeah, we did. You know, Connecticut, Mass, uh, yeah. certainly some... Anywhere we could drive an hour, an hour and a half would probably be a good place to go next, yeah. So pivoting off of your own brand, I mean, so acquiring brands, what goes into your underwriting of just saying an attractive opportunity? Let's let's take Aiden's, right? So sure. my family's from Bristol. Bristol's sure. near and dear to my heart. Yep. Um, actually, when I was doing research for this podcast, I didn't even know you guys owned that. Yep. That was about that five years ago? Je- Jeff acquired that um, really, really in the process of uh, – COVID. And, and, and COVID. to that to that point, I mean, it's really just looking at the numbers, looking at can we make uh, sustainability and hospitality and build teams to make those numbers maintain or grow, right? And that's such a legendary brand. Obviously, you're from there. Um, it's It's got such a good community appeal. Um, unfortunately, the, orig- the original proprietor just passed. But um, yeah, I mean, really just kind of looking at the numbers and seeing if we can elevate the, the current experience, uh, or at least maintain it, um, and, and see if the value is there like anything else, just like in your world. Right. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and often, uh, you know, we're up, op- we're, we're definitely optimistic, uh, half, half, uh, glass, half full, not glass, half empty people. And, uh, we're, we're excited for, yeah, we'll look at any opportunity. You get to a point of your scalable growth though. You got to make sure that you can find that balance at home too, right? Yeah. So right now, I feel like we've taken on so much this year that we're just like, make it all happen and, and then kind of put a pause, get to the finish line on North Kingston and go from there. I think there's a lot of parallels with scaling, entertainment, restaurant industry with any other business, right? I mean, establishing all the processes, the distribution of goods. I mean, it, obviously it's very <clears throat> operationally heavy, right? Yeah, on the re- In the restaurant space, but yeah. You know, when you're up to 10 locations now, is there a point where that finally gets easier, each one that you're adding to the portfolio? Because your management team's out, you have the wait staff that you can sure. call on. I think like anything else, if you're uplifting people through the process, uh, not micromanaging, and it certainly takes time to get to that point, right? You're, it's your baby, so no one's going to care like you do. But if you can cultivate a culture where people are incentivized based on their success, based on their numbers, based on their margins based on uh, their growth uh, and, and, and hopefully obviously build a, a culture of trust and you can keep growing. And that's, uh, that's kind of been our model to scale so far. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's all about people. It's all about who you're taking care of and how you're taking care of those people. And, 
And more importantly, you know, when I went into the restaurant industry, the saying was always, the, you know, the customer's always right. And that's just not the case. I mean, if you want to last 10 years, you got you to gotta support your teammates that are there day in and day out uh, making it happen for you. And, and there's often been times, especially in a post-pandemic uh, recession where people don't understand what we have to navigate through to give them a good quality product, uh, a great experience, and, and they get a little testy with their mouth. And uh, that's just not something that I'll accept. You know, I'll never let someone degrade or talk down to a teammate of mine, um, make a girl cry. You know, it's just, it's just not acceptable. We've seen it all now in 10 years. And, uh, you know, at the same regard, we got to provide a great quality product and, and make sure people have a good time and, and want to come back. Like I said, uh, disposable income is is down across the country. People don't have money like they used to, right? We're all kind of grinding, working harder to make less based on what we were thrown at and is out of all of our control. So mm. um, when we're asking people to come spend their hard-earned money with us, we got to make sure we show them a good time. The restaurant and the entertainment space arguably got hit hardest with COVID, right? Sure. You just, and, you know, there's a lot of conversation around COVID. Can we just talk quickly on, you know, something, how you had to pivot and what I'm most interested in, in is lasting impacts that COVID has had for the positive. Sure. Um, you know, some of those things, one that just comes to mind is in just because of recent experience was the DMV, right? Sure. Appointments need to be made online. It seems to be a lot more efficient. I feel like in certain sectors of business, there are definitely some positives that have come out of it. Sure. And did you realize any of that in, across your portfolio? With COVID, I would say the, the positives were opportunity, right? Opportunity did come up. Unfortunately, a lot of the people that were older and had been doing it 40, 50 years, they just said, listen, I, I don't have it in me to pivot. I don't have it in me to keep going. And, and obviously that's how some of our opportunities came. Um, additionally, I would say communication on Zoom is, is certainly something that we weren't doing in the hospitality industry prior. You know, it was those in-person meetings. Now it's every Tuesday at all of our locations, we're doing a Zoom meeting. So, you know, that's, that's certainly a positive. Scaling our our concepts, offering less, um, reducing our menus, figuring out cost control, figuring out advantageous ways to do takeout, uh, the community engaging with the hospitality scene, allowing us to make meals for many, many different causes in need are all things that helped us drive forward and, and, and obviously uh, come out of COVID. You know, there, there were times I can recall really early on uh, praying on my knees, um, you know, asking God for, for help. Because I, uh, you know, I had, I've been a guy that's, that's, I was always taught since 12 years old on that country club, put your head down and work hard. You know, they said, my, my parents instilled that in me, put your head down and work hard. That's the only way you can change your situation, the family situation, um, and stay positive, kid. You know, so that's really what we did in COVID too. I mean, every restaurant across the, across the globe had to do that. And, and those that have made it through and, and those that didn't, I, I feel really bad for mm. those that made it for, it's still a blessing because we are still... Uh, we're not getting a lot of people that were working in the back of the house. They went on to different career paths. They went on to delivery drivers on Amazon or or whatever it may be. And at some point, the cost to make a burger, you know, the consumer doesn't want to pay $22, $24. So it's continuing to innovate. It's continuing to get creative. You're seeing actually AI start to come into the restaurant space. And, uh, you know, you're seeing the, the robot friolator cooker and, and things of that nature. And, uh, but, you know, we're fortunate at a place right now, too, where people are, are coming back into the restaurant industry, want to work in hospitality again. Um, 
that's kind of where we're at. It's it's one day at a time. It's it's staying positive. It's, yeah. it's uh, continuing to learn, evolve, grow, and and put your best foot forward. It's not all easy. Uh, it's definitely been the hardest few years of my life, but also the solutions that we found make me believe anything is possible. If you can be a solution-oriented thinker and and always find a way to make it happen or pivot or or keep going, mm. that's life, right? Respect. Yeah, I think it's big piece of that is surround yourself with positive people. Amen. And we were talking about that on you know on the way in here and it's you know just keeping good energy, you know, in your circle and and eliminating the bad sure. as fast as you can. Sure. And you'll weather anything. That's it. That's you know? it. I I don't, I don't like people on the team that say no or that can't happen and we certainly need to hear the perspective, but you always want to find a way to make it happen. Mm. You know? So your day to day my day, day yeah, yeah, there's a lot going on. You got a big team yep. um, across many restaurants. You know, what can we find Ed Brady doing on a on a Wednesday at at one? My day to day is it's it's wake up and go. You know, it's it's uh, I strategize my my weekly schedule to make sure that I'm allocating time at each of the locations or trying to at least some some weeks get away from me like anything else. Um, really checking in with all the teams, seeing where I can provide value. Um, Going in, making sure I'm helping the branding team and the marketing team is really where I enjoy the most. That was what I studied in college. Um, but also, I, I love being on site. I love giving them my eye, giving them what I see. Uh, we're very, very, very fortunate for the, the leaders that we have at each of our location, really just supporting that management team and, and, and continuing to try to establish new relationships. Uh, you know, Early on in the process, we started doing a lot of nonprofit work, working with the Rhode Island Dream Center. Um, we've been in the May organization for the homeless. Those have been two that have really been in our life for over a decade and, and helping utilize uh, our resources to cook for those in need and the homeless and, and things of that nature. So raising millions of dollars for charity by doing concerts for a cause or, or comedy for a cause or trivia for a cause, whatever it may be, aligning myself with so many different organizations to make an impact on feeling good about what's coming in, right? We can't take the money with us at the end of the day. When we are, when, uh, we leave this earth, we certainly want to provide a better life for our family and for those around us. But at the same time, I've felt that through the highs and lows of life, making a difference by helping people is uh, is what keeps me going. That's what it's all about. Forward, yeah. That's beautiful. I hope that man. answered your question. Yeah, it did. <laughs> I think, um, you know, especially in your partnership where you and Jeff work so closely together, and maybe for folks listening that, also are in our partnership and own a business with somebody else. You know, how are you to ensuring that you're not stepping on each other's toes? Is that ever a worry? Does he have set responsibilities? Do you have set responsibilities? That's a great question. Uh, early on in the process, I think a lot of it's blended, right? And then I think you realize where you need to focus your time. And at this point in the process, a decade in, I think we just, we know what we got to do, you know, and he goes off and I go off and you're, you're, you're touching base in those weekly recap meetings and, and trying to keep communication up. But for the most part, um, we're pretty aligned on on where we know we need to execute week in and week out to keep 200 plus families uh, getting paychecks, you know, and, yeah. and uh, you know, they, they come first always. And uh, that's kind of part of entrepreneurship. I never thought I'd be sitting here with you today when we were caddying at that young age and having that many families under us that, that, that rely on our high level decision making and like anything else, we're not perfect. Right, we're gonna make some some wrong calls, and and some s stuff's gonna get thrown at us like uh like COVID that you just you just can't anticipate. There's no there's no way to strategize for that. None of us were able to. We you know we're often 
and I was involved in public service before this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we're often saying, oh, they, they, they did this wrong. We didn't know what the hell that was when it came out as at first. Exactly. And uh, I really think what's great about hospitality and entertainment is, is bringing people back together to be able to have a fresh mind and, and listen to music or listen to comedy or just network or have conversations. There's nothing like that. We, we spoke earlier on this conversation of what's one good thing about COVID and, and it was that, that Zoom, but there's nothing like this, the energy of being around other curators, other creators and figuring yeah. out a way to strategize the next play, you know? It's perfect. How, how over the years has your barometer of success kind of changed? I think for me personally, Good question. for me, I, you know, it was always had a dollar sign attached to it. Sure. And um, I think at, to some extent it does need to be that um, because, you know, that dollar sign will allow you to have time freedom over time. Sure. And, and for me, what I'm finding and what I found over the last few years is that time freedom is the ultimate ultimate win right to make your own schedule sure. to to drive a business to to lead a team yeah um yeah what does that mean to you that's a great question and that was really well said um yeah i mean obviously being a young kid that that didn't grow up with wealth you know so money was always the barometer for success in my early days you know taking finance and wanting that nice house and mm-hmm. a nice car and those materialistic things were, were probably what drove that 14 15 16 year old 17 year old kid, but, but certainly as, as life has evolved and I've been fortunate enough at times to have a lot of money in the bank and fortunate at times, I mean, well, however you want to look at it to have nothing in the bank. And that's part of entrepreneurship, right? Continuing to go all in on yourself to get that freedom of time. And, uh, you know, I can't say I would have changed any part of my process. Mm. You evolve, you learn, you grow. And to me right now, what wealth is, what success is, it's, it's making a difference on as many lives as you can around you, uh, providing a good life for your family while making it all sustainable. You know, I want sustainability so that I can have my time, so that I can spend time with my new child while also spending time on creation because I I enjoy creating. I enjoy making a difference in direct communities that we go on. We're not investing in projects that that don't build better ecosystems in the areas that we're in, that don't build better community. So, uh, you know, success has definitely evolved uh, since an early 15, 16 year old at Brady, I think uh, it's a constant quest and it's a constant put your best foot forward, be the best person you can. Mm-hmm. And the simple principles we learn in the, prin- in, the, in the sandbox as we're kids is be kind, be nice, make people feel good, you know, uplift others. And uh, I think now more than ever, especially with where we're all at in a society with mental health and, and uh, we gotta support others. We gotta tell others, go after it, go after your dreams. It's not gonna be easy, but it's, it's your time, it's your, it's your dream. Right. And, uh, you know, I think one thing is, is, is our parents, our, our grandparents, they, they grew up, they had to work that nine to five. You know, they, they, they had that instilled in them. And I'm not saying that I didn't, but I realized really early on in life that that wasn't my path. And I'm glad I'm on this wild adventure. Yeah. And, and some realize that later than others. Sure. So for me, I think it, you know, it took 11 years. Yeah. Um, but um, giving back to the community, obviously a big piece of what you're doing, Plates for Purpose, Hope for Homeless, Cranston yeah. Cares. I mean, yeah. you just touch on that. Yeah, of course. Uh, you know, Cranston Cares is something that we founded in the middle of uh, the pandemic. Uh, we had lost a friend to, uh, who, was, who was in the military, who was in the service. He had brought that idea to me because we were already doing so much in Cranston, adopting parks, uh, rebuilding and rehabilitating um, you know, our community theater, not only at the park, but also at our Cranston West High School, redoing the field, re- redoing lakes, bringing back basketball courts. 
it's really just investing in Cranston and different opportunities to to bring things to life and working with corporate sponsors and, and working with the community to get it funded. And uh, fortunately, I've acquired a great network over the course of my life where we've had a lot of people want to support these initiatives. Uh, Plates for Purpose is, is, is you know, we're, we're making meals for kids at schools that, that are, you know, come from interesting backgrounds and need support and, and, and mentorship. And in addition to, uh, you know, they, they helped all throughout COVID bring, bringing meals to the hospitals and those that were taking care of wow. those going in and, and, uh, you know, hope for the homeless is 10 years. Now we've been doing Thanksgiving dinners and, and, and summer barbecues. And, and that truck goes out with the Rhode Island dream center at praise tabernacle every night, feeding thousands of people a week. Um, keeps, keeps you grounded, man. Yeah. It keeps you humble. It yeah. keeps you, it keeps you realizing throughout the whole process that especially right now, I mean, so many people are like one bad week away from, a bad situation, you know, and, and keeping that in mind, keeping that in mind and, and being present in every single moment of every single interaction that you have throughout your daily adventure, things are going to stress us out, right? We're going to want to lose our mind sometimes, but if you can just kind of find a way to keep your temperament relaxed and, and, and be present in that moment of each situation, whatever you give for a word or, or a moment of wisdom or a, a word of hope to that person, might shift their day, might turn it around. So I think for us, that's, uh, that's, that's crucially important to keep us all strong here and uh, moving forward for the rest of our life. So uh, I think we'll, community giving back will always be ingrained in, in, in all of our processes of growth. It's such a good way to leverage the business that you've already built, right? And, you know, leveraging all the things that you've put in place, you know, you can make those plates of food or whatever. And it's just, you know, if everybody could look at their business the same way and say, look, I mean, I have, I've built this great thing. What's the most efficient or, or valuable way for me to give back to the community? I think you've definitely nailed that. So uh, I appreciate yes, it, man. Yeah. For folks listening that are definitely interested in this space and maybe they've been thinking about open that, opening that pub and grub restaurant, buying a restaurant down the street because there was an opportunity that came up Sure. As a result of the the economic times, what advice do you have for those folks who who want to jump in? If you could put yourself back in those shoes, jump. You know, I, that's always going to be my advice. You know, I, I like I like your path though. You you spent eleven years in a space learning. You know, and, and there's not a day that goes by where uh, I'm not learning. Or if I have the opportunity to talk to someone that scaled to a hundred locations or whatever it may be, that I'm just there as a student and I'm a student of life. So. Really not being, uh, you know, if you enjoy a specific space, if it's hospitality, if, if you have a career and you, you have some free time and you want to spend 15 hours a week, then go sling, sling drinks, become a bartender, right? Go sling drinks, become a bar back. Take every single role within that ecosystem. Ask the questions, ask as many questions as possible. If there's a manager proficient in numbers, then learn about that while you're spending your time there. Learning about what you see with a notebook. Is working at tables, what's not working, things that come up, how you're supposed to handle them, how you're not supposed to handle them. Get experience in the space and find yourself uh, people that you want to emulate or people that you want to learn from. I knew Big Night Entertainment was was uh, really early on in my process was killing it. They were opening up places left and right. And, uh, you know, I had just messaged passionately Randy Greenstein, a, a message saying, when you need promoters because you're the new hot spot at Shrine, please let me know. And an opportunity arose where me and Vinny Vibe uh, were – we're able to establish and start a Tuesday night industry night for an industry New Year's Eve party. And, uh, you know, I took that opportunity every time I was with Randy to 
ask him how he did it. He was a radio DJ, and now he's got this portfolio with with Ed and Joe Kane that's that's massive throughout New England. And you know, really finding and, and that's been in life. I, I, there's so many people doing so many great things. If you can figure out a way to grab a cup of coffee, ask them for ten minutes of their time, then. Right. Hopefully it pays uh, huge dividends throughout the rest of your life uh, and relationships, right? We're all supporting each other in different different aspects of life. Life is not transactional, you know, so if it shouldn't be. I'm not right. saying that right. uh, it is, but uh, if you can support people in all different sectors, you know, I find karma is really real and it always seems a way to come back. Leverage your talents to add value to somebody else, right? Probably the quickest sure. way to get that meeting or, or get noticed or seen, right? Sure. Take your talents that... Everybody has their own unique abilities. Yep. Leverage that and get in front of somebody and tell them how you can improve kind of, of what they get going on. Yep. One of the most exciting parts of this, what is to come? Uh, as much as you want to reveal to us, um, no pressure, but I know you're working on some big stuff and sure. there's definitely no slowing down for you. So love to hear about what's what's in the pipeline for you. Sure, of course. Yeah. Uh, what I can reveal is, uh, you know, we're, we're super excited for North Kingston. Uh, fifth location. Mm-hmm. We're hoping to open that up. Uh, Thirsty Beaver. Uh, in May, early May, mid-May, um, which is super exciting. We have uh, another location that's opening this summer, uh, Bravo by the Sea, which is attached to Theater by the Sea. Done done a lot of great work with uh, Bill Henney, who owns that location, and, and multiple other theater and cinema locations. So there's, that's been a great synergistic relationship. Certainly looking forward to a lot of great shows at the park uh, theater, which we revived. I know we haven't spoke much on that, but it's a 99-year-old community theater. It's been a labor of love, certainly been uh, an adventure, reviving a 99-year-old space that uh, always seems to throw something at you. But watching people come back into that space, enjoy life, enjoy comedy, enjoy uh, music, and raising funds in that space uh, keeps us driving forward, so that we're excited for that. A lot of good announcements of some more talent coming there. And then additionally, um, you know, I have some I have some great stuff that's that's about to be announced. Uh, that childhood me, the twenty one year old kid that moved out to Hollywood, would be really really proud of. And uh, and and the interesting thing is, it's 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 not really. I didn't do it for me. You know, it's I found myself whenever I was going to these larger markets pitching. This I was pitching the state of Rhode Island. I wasn't pitching Ed Brady. I was pitching our beautiful. Uh, beaches. I was pitching our beautiful cuisine. I was pitching why people should invest their time in creation in the state of Rhode Island. So uh, this summer, we're going to see a lot of uh, Hollywood-esque here in, in Rhode Island. So, very Man, that. Yeah. if that doesn't get you fired up, I don't uh, know what will. Yep, that's where we're at. One day at a time, right? Ed Brady definitely investing in his legacy. You are the man. Thank Can't you, wait to sir. see your growth and, and witness it all. So, I appreciate it, man. Thanks for your time. Thanks for having yeah. me. Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation and uh, keep it going. Rock on. Yeah, I'm excited Thanks, for you. You're all in. Thanks, bro. Yeah, man. Thank you.